Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. We're David and Tracy Sellers, and we've made Vows to Keep, and we want to start today by reading to you just a short piece from Revelation 4. It says, I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones. The glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four elders were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. And in the center and around the throne were four living beings. And day after day, night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. The 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. David was upstairs this morning riding our exercise bike, and the kids were getting ready for school. And so I asked Alexa to play a praise band I liked because I was trying to drown out the Netflix show that David had on during his workout. Ah, I remember that. I think I was watching a history show about the 1980s, and there's a lot of drama in it, right? Yeah, so I was trying to drown that out. But what I didn't expect was that the song perked up the ears of my heart as the lyrics rang true to that passage I just read to you from Revelation. It was a song that resonated with me because it reminded me of something that I forget to do. I forget to worship. I forget to pick my head up from what's right in front of me and fix my gaze on my Lord to remember that He is Lord, that He's worthy of praise, just like those around the throne will forever proclaim. I'm embarrassed to say that praise is not part of my everyday life. You know, I catch glimpses of it on Sunday mornings during those three obligatory songs. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for David and what God has provided for my daily needs. And you know what? Sometimes I even remember to say thank you for those gifts. But Thanksgiving doesn't play a huge role in my life. It sort of gets tacked on here and there haphazardly. A.W. Tozer wrote back in the 1940s, before we had worship teams and theater lights on Sunday mornings, it certainly is true that hardly anything is missing from our churches these days, except the most important thing. We are missing genuine and sacred offerings of ourselves and our worship to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm missing it too in my marriage, in my home. Corporate worship and individual worship It's almost non-existent in my world, and it's not sitting well with either of us. I want it back. I need to worship. Tracy and I need to worship together. So do you and your spouse. We have this deep need inside of our hearts, this longing, because we're created to worship. We were created to give Thanksgiving, and not just once a year as we prepare for a national holiday. This is what we were made for. But worship of our God gets buried underneath our sin and our self-congratulations. Check this out. You could hang your life's timeline out on this framework. Listen to this. You fell from Thanksgiving. You were redeemed by Thanksgiving. Your purpose encompasses Thanksgiving. And your future is Thanksgiving. Let me say that again. You fell from Thanksgiving. 
You were redeemed by Thanksgiving. Your purpose encompasses Thanksgiving and your future is Thanksgiving. And if you look at it in those terms, Thanksgiving becomes kind of a big deal. More than just travel in Turkey the fourth Thursday in November. So let's walk through this framework that Tracy just laid out to understand Thanksgiving in a deeper way and how it has got to be a game changer for your heart, for your home, and to have a healthy marriage. Well, the first point, Tracy, you just brought up was that you fell from Thanksgiving. I fell from Thanksgiving. So we're created to worship. We are all worshipers. It's simply a matter of what or who we're worshiping. Adam and Eve, they were worshipers of God. And after the first sin, they transferred their worship to self and earthly passions. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Romans 1 makes it clear that we are still doing that today. We're exchanging the truth about God for a lie, and we're worshiping and serving the things that were created rather than the creator. It's our sinful tendency. If we follow after our sinful nature, we will fulfill those desires. That's what it says in Romans 8, 5. And when we follow that pattern, we rob God of the worship that he is due. You and I fell from our intended purpose. We were created to be in sweet communion with our creator, living a life overflowing with thanksgiving because of who he is. That's the bad news. We fell. But the second point we're making today is good news. We were redeemed by thanksgiving. You see, God sets before each and every one of us two choices, life or death. And when our spiritual eyes are open to what Christ has done for us, we come to him humbly and with thankful hearts. It's in that moment we understand that Jesus paid a debt we could never pay. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves, and we gratefully bring him our thanksgiving. Psalm 7:17 says, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Redemption brings thanksgiving. And now your purpose encompasses thanksgiving. When you're redeemed by thanksgiving to your Savior, your whole life is going to be filled with just that, full of thanksgiving, like Colossians 2 says. As you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, abounding in thanksgiving. When we let thanksgiving encompass everything we do, we go right back to God's original design for us, and that's worship. 1 Thessalonians 1 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I hope you see the need for this in yourself, because our Thanksgiving now is just a precursor. It's a taste of what is to come, because our future is Thanksgiving. As Christians, I think there's a scene in each of our hearts that has yet to be played out. But my guess is you've rehearsed it a few times in your mind's eye. You finally getting to meet Jesus face to face. Maybe you've imagined yourself running into his arms. Maybe you've guessed your reaction will be to question him about all the things you didn't understand here on earth. However you picture it, this meeting is inevitable. One day you will meet Jesus. There he'll be right before you, shining in all of his glory. And I think our response is going to be more like the elders who are bowing down before God's throne, like we read about earlier in Revelation 4. They're casting their crowns at his feet. I think when we see him, our worship is going to be whole, complete, and spontaneous. We're going to give him our best gifts. We will rush to gather around the throne with thanksgiving because our God is to be 
forever praised. We are fallen, yes, but we are also redeemed. And we live in the here and now. So let's live within God's design for us. Let's live that life of worship. Let's let our homes, our marriages be a portrait of worship, a portrait of thanksgiving. So what does that look like in an average week in the seller's home? How about your home? How about your world, your marriage? Like I said earlier, worship seems at best tacked on to the edges of our lives. It's certainly not central. I look at the calendar and I see that Thanksgiving is coming up and my heart is drawn towards that. I desire to be thankful. We desire that. And not just thankful in this general kind of cliche sense, but thankful with a purpose to give God the praise that he deserves. David, I want that because I see what that kind of worship does to me. It softens me towards not only God, who I'm thanking, but also to you and to our kids. Thankfulness and pride don't coexist. I've tried. So thankfulness becomes this useful garden tool to weed out the sin in my heart. Thanksgiving strengthens my faith and it gives me a humble perspective. Thankfulness to God, it's specific and it's intentional. And it's the exact cure that I need for my spiritual apathy. God's word tells us to bring an offering of thanksgiving to the altar. Psalms 50 verse 3 says, He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. Psalm 107 verses 21 and 22 says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them also offer the sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. Psalm 116 verse 17 says, To you I shall offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. That's just a sample of what the Bible says about worship and thanksgiving. But there's really not a set formula to try to follow. It's not like there's a one, two, three of praising God. However, God's word does give us commands and precepts to follow. And as we obey his word, we're not just worshiping in just little moments here and there at church or right before bed. We're living a life of thanksgiving. If you have a marriage question, please email questions at vowstokeep.com. Vows to Keep will respond to you via email and perhaps use it on the air. Now let's rejoin Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. That's a really big picture, right? We just gave you the whole big picture of the Bible there. Let's break that down into three ways we can be deliberate in our marriages and our homes to be a portrait of Thanksgiving. Preparing, gathering, and telling. Number one, preparing. We're going to spend just a moment here on this one, but I think in order to even begin to enter into true Thanksgiving and worship, we have to start with our hearts. We have to prepare them for worship, and we can't follow a five-minute recipe-type prayer to make that happen. Preparing our hearts for Thanksgiving involves having enough mental, spiritual, emotional reserve at any given moment of that day that God doesn't just get our leftovers. He becomes the main course, and not just the dessert that we're too full for after we've gorged on everything else the day had to offer. If you don't have time to get quiet, it's time to cut the fat, so to speak, out of your day. Make time to have margin, to keep a running dialogue with God. You've got to focus on him. You've got to prepare your heart to hear from him. And as we're on this kind of ongoing communion, we're longing for God's word. And we'll see constant reminders in scripture and in our lives of who God is. The fact that he's holy. The fact that he is sovereign Lord. Preparing our hearts for Thanksgiving is not a one-time act. It's an ongoing process within our marriage. 
The next way that you can be deliberate in your home and marriage, making a portrait of Thanksgiving, is gathering. Gathering together brings unity. And I love that because that brings Thanksgiving to God. Let me ask you this. What are mealtimes like in your house? David and I both work from home, so dinners are usually had together around the dining room table. Our kids are involved in a few different activities, so sometimes dinner is on the fly. Think drive through or leftovers here. When we do eat together, it's not usually an absolute rush, but neither is it a time where we're spending an hour or more together just talking and sharing and laughing. But if you think about it, that's what kind of happens at a Thanksgiving meal. Not only eating together, but fellowshipping, enjoying one another's company. And because of that, it becomes this thing we look forward to for 364 days. Go to any gathering in someone's house and where will everyone be? Say it with me now, right? The (laughs) The kitchen. kitchen. Food allows us to gather together. Listen to this. God gave Adam and Eve all the fruit of the trees of the garden, but one. God gives manna and quail in the desert to sustain the Israelites. Jesus draws close his disciples for the last supper. He cooks breakfast for them on the beach after his resurrection. In Revelation, we're going to sit down to the wedding supper of the Lamb, the greatest gathering that you can imagine. God created us to gather, and many of our traditions center around food and togetherness. But how about extending that beyond the holidays? Make gathering part of your schedule. Make it a habit in your home. God can use these times to foster the unity that he desires us to have. Because that's what gathering does. It brings that kind of unity that you and I want to have in our marriage. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. The holiday of Thanksgiving we celebrate every fall starts with getting together. Sometimes we join our family from another state. Sometimes we huddle closer to home and we reach out to local family and friends and we just invite them over for turkey and stuffing and way too much pie. We can gather around food, but I think that's just the start. How about you and your spouse gathering around a great cause? How about coming together with your husband to fulfill the great commission or live out the great commandment with your wife? When we walk in the commandments laid out for us in God's word, when we come under God's authority in our home, we are going to walk together in unity. And that unity, that gathering is going to bring thanksgiving to God. God didn't create us for isolation, but we create it for ourselves, don't we? By our busyness and our lack of intentionality. Let's take this once a year Thanksgiving tradition and build upon it throughout the year. Let's do that by answering these questions. Is your schedule allowing you to gather at home with your family for meaningful times of unity? Is there margin in your life to gather with other believers and live out what it says in Hebrews 10 to come together, to spur one another on to love and good deeds? Do you need to be more intentional about gathering together as a couple or a family and creating a new normal for your household? One where you make a habit of choosing to be together. And when you are together, to put the devices away, to make eye contact, and to speak life into each other. This act of gathering for unity is going to require some change that you might need to talk with your spouse about, and you might need to give it some prayer. And the next way we can be deliberate in becoming a portrait of thanksgiving is by telling. Telling brings God glory and thanksgiving. Let me tell you a little story. This past year, My grandpa's pastor asked him to write out his testimony. Now, I had heard bits and pieces of his story over the years, mostly from my mom, 
But when she forwarded me an email with this testimony and I was able to read it in black and white, something happened inside of me. My faith was increased reading about my grandpa's faith. It also made me wonder why I had never heard it before. Then I got to thinking about my own parents. What was their testimony? When did they give their hearts to the Lord? In what amazing ways had God shown up in their life and provided for them? What about my sisters? What about David's extended family? It suddenly became very important to me to hear God's story through the stories around me. We want our children to serve God, and I want the same thing for my grandchildren that are yet to come. What are we doing in our home that sets up for that? Taking them to church, studying the Bible together as a family, making prayer a part of our everyday lives, teaching God's word in the moment and making it relevant in either baking cookies or giving discipline. That's all forward thinking. It's all forward looking momentum. But what about those answered specific prayer requests? Do we easily skip over God's hand at work on the last thing as we begin prayer for the next thing? Well, I certainly do. I barely pause to say thank you to God before moving on. And it's a rare thing for sure that I would actually share something with my family or my friends about the ways that God has already been so good to me. Psalm 78, among other passages in God's word, instruct us on gathering and telling. Let me read the first few verses of this chapter to you. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories that we've heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to the children so the next generation might know them. Even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children so that each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles. Unfortunately, there was and there is a pattern with God's people that the writer of the psalm recognized. The fathers would worship God and the children would not. And it would take many generations for the people to come back to God only for their kids to turn their backs on him again. And I think telling your husband, telling your children and your grandchildren and fellow believers what God has done for you is a missing link in our faith today. And it's not just in the remembering how God came through at the last minute in his blessings. Because if you listen again to verse 5, it talks about how he issued his laws and he gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. The key words being laws and instructions. And in verse 4, he has the word truth to the mix. God says, share these things with each other. Use my big story in your little story to share with others my truth, my instruction, and my law. Think of it this way. You're sitting in church on Sunday, and the pastor reads from the book of Leviticus. He starts at verse 1, chapter 1, and reads until his time is up, and the roast you have in the oven is done. He prays, he says amen, and you all go home. Hmm. He read God's word. He prayed. Shouldn't that be enough? Well, no. What's missing? Story, context, application, and a thanksgiving for God's provision. It's all of that truth, and that's exactly what happens when you put into practice not only gathering, but telling when you gather. It does something to your faith. It does something to the hearts of those that are gathered around your table or around your living room. It hits the ears of those in the back of the van or in the corners of your youth room at church. 
Colossians 3, verse 16 starts by saying this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This Thanksgiving, what traditions do you need to start that are going to carry over into the new year? I think the best way to arrive at an answer to that question is by asking another one. Today, what do you need to remember? Maybe you need to remember your vows. Maybe you need to review the gospel and what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Maybe you need to look back and think about the provision that he's provided for you. You see, what we need to remember is what we need to be thankful for. I think about the 10 men in Luke 17 that came to Jesus for healing. They were afflicted with a terrible disease called leprosy. Jesus administers exactly what they need that day. They all went away and one turned around, walked back to Jesus and said, thank you. He remembered. He did what we need to do because when we don't remember, our Thanksgiving goes out the window. Do we have traditions and habits that we have implemented in our home to remember and be thankful? If you don't have any, here's a few suggestions as we close today on Vows to Keep Radio. Do you remember Tracy's grandfather's testimony that he wrote out? What if you spoke to the members of your family who've put their faith in Christ and asked them to do what Tracy's grandfather did? Get everyone's testimonies together and make a book about it, putting your family's God story all in one spot. Then you can have copies made and you can give them out to everyone who contributed. Or one time we were at a friend's house and I saw what they had done to be intentional in remembering. They had pinned on the wall not only prayer requests, but then answers to those prayers throughout the years. And they kept adding to it. That inspired me to a couple different things. Remember Joshua, how God asked each of the 12 tribes to put up a stone of remembrance? Well, you could do a small version of that like we did and just have a glass bowl you keep in your living room with some rocks in it. And every time God answers a prayer, write on a rock and permanent marker what he did and the date. And it's so encouraging to go back and sift through those. And even your company that sits down in your living room is going to read them too and be encouraged. Polaroids and Polaroid knockoffs are all the rage these days. Our daughter just got one for her birthday. An instant picture in your hands just seconds after you've taken it. Well, how about using that technology to create a collage wall in your house or maybe a photo album? Commemorate a blessing with a picture, pin it up on a bulletin board or a wall, and write on the bottom what God has done. And every time you pass those mementos, God's going to get the praise and the glory. Like what you heard today on Vows to Keep Radio? Listen to more life-changing broadcasts at VowsToKeep.com. If it's your vows that you need to remember, do what we did and create an anniversary tradition of reenacting your wedding right there in your living room. Ross has married us I don't know how many times. (laughs) Read Ephesians 5 or 1 Corinthians 13 out loud. If you wrote your own vows, read them again. Simply recommit to each other your love and your faithfulness. Remember, you fell from Thanksgiving, but then you were redeemed by Thanksgiving. Now your purpose encompasses Thanksgiving and your future is Thanksgiving. Whatever tradition and habit you implement going forward, follow these simple guidelines. Make room in your life to prepare 
gather and tell. You may have fallen away from Thanksgiving, but this is what you were made for. So bring an offering of Thanksgiving to the altar. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.